then, and certainly not with the condition he was in. He knew better than to even ask. But I said no. He sighed as the driver laid on the horn for the second time. Eyeing her warily, he took a step back and then another before turning to leave without saying goodbye. They'd already said enough goodbyes to last them a lifetime. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Kennedy stiffened as footsteps stomped through the house behind her, on a mission as they hurried her direction. The front door flung open, a tiny human tornado appearing at her side, wearing a fluffy black dress with her brunette hair and pigtails. Despite all the darkness surrounding the little girl, she was all bows and sunshine, innocence and happiness. And Kennedy would do everything in her power to keep her that way. She didn't need to know more devastation. She was too young to endure that kind of pain. Too young to have her heart broken by Jonathan Cunningham. Who is that, Mommy? The little girl asked, watching the cab as it disappeared into the storm. Did they come for Grandpa? Were they Nana's friend? It was no one you need to worry about, sweetheart, Kennedy said, gazing down at a pair of twinkling blue eyes. Something her sweet little girl had inherited from him. The man was just a little lost, but I sent him back on his way. One, Kennedy. The beeping of the checkout scanner is monotonous. A dull drone I barely hear anymore as it melds with Wilson Phillips's Hold On playing on the station over the loudspeaker radio. The same songs, day in and day out. Same constant beeping. Same everything. Same customers in and out of the store buying the same things they've bought before. My life has become a predictable loop. A real-life version of Groundhog Day that I have no intention of trying to change. I'm the personification of an alternate ending where Phil accepts that he's stuck listening to Sonny and Cher every morning until the end of time. If you'd have asked me years ago if this would be my future, I would have laughed in your face. Me, Kennedy Reagan Garfield. I was destined for greatness. I'd been named after a pair of iconic presidents. My mother, the idealistic liberal, and my father, a strict conservative, never saw eye to eye on much. Except for me. They never agreed on health care or taxes, but they were both convinced their little oops baby would be somebody. And here I am. Somebody, all right. Assistant manager somebody at Piggly Q Grocery in a blink-and-miss-it kind of town in upstate New York. $13 an hour, 40-plus hours a week with a full benefits package, including unpaid vacation days. Not that I'm ungrateful. I'm doing better than a lot of people. My rent is paid every month. My electricity hasn't been cut off. I've even got overpriced cable. But deep inside, I know this isn't the kind of greatness my parents envisioned for me. Assistance needed on three? The high-pitched voice squeals over the loudspeaker, drowning out the music. My gaze scans the register area, waiting for someone else to respond, but nobody does. 
It always falls to me. Shaking my head, I stroll over to lane three, to the young blonde girl running the ancient register, ringing up an older woman's groceries. The cashier, Bethany, looks at me, dramatically pouting as she wiggles a can of chicken noodle soup in my face. It's coming up a buck and a quarter, but Mrs. McCleskey says there's a 99 cent sign back there. It's a dollar twenty-five. I know it is. Even Mrs. McCleskey probably knows and wants to make a fuss about something. I smile, though, and override the register, giving it to the woman at the discount. I step away to let Bethany finish ringing up the groceries as Mrs. McCleskey asks, How's your father doing? I don't have to look to know she's talking to me. I start straightening up the candy rack near the register. He's hanging in there.